this is Stephanie. And this is Brian. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of The Making and the Remaking of a Codependent Mind. This time we decided the topic would be family of origin. Yeah, and this is kind of a therapeutic term, I guess, or a term that comes out of sure. therapeutic circles. You know, just talking family of origin just being the un- the family unit that raised you, typically two parents, but it could be one parent, grandparents, etc. With the idea that that's where you learn a lot of the interpersonal behaviors. That's how you learn to be in relationships. That's how you learn to love other people. That's how you learn to manage your emotions, etc. Yeah, so it's no surprise that it's an extremely important topic to focus on and and usually one of the bigger topics that people do focus on when it comes to therapy and codependency sure and we haven't actually talked a lot we talked a little bit about your family of origin yeah but we focus mostly on this five-year friendship that you had with this abusive friend as being a source of a lot of the traumatic experiences and the subsequent codependent behaviors and as so as we've been going through this podcast and you've been doing a lot more reflecting, and we've been doing talking about your family. I think both of us kind of felt that perhaps we had downplayed the role of your family of origin in your larger story. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. And so that's kind of why I wanted to circle back to this almost as a way of correcting Mm -hmm. that a little bit. I think there's a lot of different reasons why I did that. I mean, for one thing, I was kind of imagining people listening to it, like getting their hands on it, say my parents themselves, or even Mm -hmm. just like my brother listening to it and going, whoa, you're being harsh on our parents or something. And, right. Um, that'd be one thing. But I think there's a lot of different things. Like, you know, yes, I think we were correct in the emphasis that we put on that friendship, mm-hmm. that childhood friendship. Um, but I think something that was left out too much was the fact that I think my parents may have led to that friendship. And so I think just the fact that that friendship was so harsh and the, the trauma was so obvious and blatant that it kind of downplayed my experience with my family, which was also not great either. And and standalone, it may have led to a lot of the same behaviors either way. So, what, yeah, what's the purpose of this episode for you, really? So I think the purpose is, is throughout this process, I've found it really valuable to take this new self-awareness to my family and just look at them differently from a different light rather than looking at them as, as a unit or something or kind of in this this old picture that I had and just carrying this old picture forward and not really understanding my role in the family or understanding who each of them are as individuals. I just think it's good to be a little more intentional with my relationship with each of them, each of the people in my family. In terms of what you want from that relationship? Yeah, what I want from the relationship and what they, it, it means to me. Mm-hmm. And, and what I think I can bring and what I can and kind of the expe- expectations I can have. But also, ultimately, I wanted to really get more into detail of the effects that my family has had on all of this stuff we've been talking about in the podcast, the codependency, the behaviors, the emotional immaturity and things like that. We had an episode on rewriting stories, which has been an important part of this process for you going back through the stories of your life mm-hmm. and figuring out kind of what was true and accurate and what stories were serving you. So this is kind of a rewrite of yeah your family of origin story. Yeah. I mean, we even mentioned the 
my family a little bit in that episode too, being that like I kind of had this, well, just this incorrect thread about my mother and my father and who they were and Mm -hmm. uh, that I mainly carried forward from that relationship with R that we talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is more than that. This is, this is more like narratives I've been carrying my entire life. And you mentioned two reasons why we, we might have both kind of missed the importance of your family of origin to the codependency story. One of which is that the G experience was so overwhelming. Yeah. That it, yeah, it kind of overwhelmed the narrative of your family story. Yeah. Right. Um, and then also there, there was some concern about your family hearing it mm-hmm. and the way they might respond. Yeah. So maybe causing some anxiety there. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Like Almost just, unconscious anxiety. Yeah, sure. And then some of that anxiety, not even really directly being related to them or my relationship with them. It's more just kind of that, I don't want to disappoint people anxiety. That mm-hmm. kind of just, I carry in general with people. <laughs> yeah, it can be very difficult to look honestly at your family of origin. Yeah. These are people who are so powerful and so important and so meaningful in your life. Right, and... It, the key here also is that they are still in my life. Unlike mm-hmm. some of the other relationships we talk about, R and J and stuff like that, and even G, they're long gone. Right. You know? I mean, they're fading into history, and it's easier to get an understanding of that when I'm separated from it. And it's not like I'm being abused by my family. We'll get into this, but mm-hmm. it's just all this is active. They're the same people. They are. So, yeah, let's get into it. Let's do a little mm-hmm. deeper dive. It seems like one of the most defining dynamics of your family was your father's anger Mm -hmm. and the way the rest of the family reacted to that and had to incorporate that into their own lives. I think that's a good word, incorporate. Yeah, we all kind of incorporated this in our own ways, but also in similar ways. And you mentioned briefly the potential connection between your father's anger and emotional dysregulation and the subsequent friendship with G, abusive friendship. How do you think now those might be tied together well yeah i think it's that and my mother's response the the behavior that she modeled so i think it's between the two of those but i think the way i was already learning to deal with this anger that my dad was displaying kind of was i was already forming these codependent behaviors Mm. from right from day one i you know just from right just this family dynamic. So once I met G, it was kind of like the way we described when I met R and J and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where I just made them feel safe and comfortable. And this guy was like, oh, wow, this this guy's agreeing with everything. Just this, the, like basically kind of the same start to the G relationship as all the other ones, really. So you got st- stuck in that friendship the way yeah. that you subsequently got stuck as an adult. Yeah. Because you had already started to develop some of the codependent habits. Yeah, right. In seeing your parents, your father's anger, and your mother's response to Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, and so I kind of get this chicken and the egg a little bit from that. Mm -hmm. um, In that, you know, I definitely think a lot of stuff formed from the G friendship. I'm not discounting that, but it's like like my family kind of set me up for that relationship to happen. And then I was stuck there. And then the trauma that I was getting from that friendship, I brought home. And then it, it kind of fueled the fire of my behaviors that towards dealing with my dad's anger and so it was like kind of the two playing off each other Mm -hmm. throughout my whole childhood you know and then beyond of course right so you know in in some of the first episodes of this podcast where again you hadn't really dived deeply into these family of origin issues and we hadn't talked much about them 
it was more the codependent behaviors started with G. Yeah. They were reinforced at home. Right. In terms of the way that your father behaved. But now it's almost, they started, you're saying they started before, before G. I was already And then they were reinforced and strengthened. Yeah. Through this five-year abusive friendship. And in addition to going home and seeing those behaviors yeah. modeled there as well. Right. And so still, I'm not saying, oh, I was born a codependent. I don't think anyone is. Mm-hmm. But it definitely, I feel more strongly now that it, that I was for a lot longer from possibly before I could even form memories. So what did your dad's anger look like? And what does it look like? Because it, it hasn't changed that much except right. you're not at home anymore. True. Yeah, yeah. But so, when, when you were young, what did it look like? Well, it was... And feel like? Uh, it was frightening. It was emotionally immature display he didn't know how to handle his emotions basically is Mm -hmm. how it was like it didn't it so some some examples would be he would just be really he would get really impatient with me my brother and i but i'll focus on myself Mm -hmm. just when we when i wasn't doing things the way he wanted me to do it or if i was not picking things up quickly enough like i remember uh, to like say doing math flashcards or something like that and getting upset or like or if I did things wrong like in the house like or as I left a light on mm-hmm. or you know I left I didn't put a pen or scotch tape back in the drawer or all kinds of different things would you know a normal person would would maybe be annoyed at that kind of stuff sure but his reactions to it would be this kind of explosive cursing often directed directly at me or sometimes from another room um, but it was, it happened a lot. And this is, a, this is part of the downplaying is that I kind of was thinking about only when it was directed at me, mm-hmm. but a lot of times it was not. And this is still the case. A lot of times it's just anger at stuff, not working. The computer's not working. And swearing or, and, yeah, and, and yelling. Swearing and yelling. So yeah, it's, it's. Um, and f- physically, you know, banging things, you know. Yeah, slamming that. doors, yeah. things like that. Yeah, there would be. Ones that just happened on a recurring basis, like the the garage door not closing, like you know you try to fling the door closed or mm-hmm. whatever, it doesn't it doesn't catch, you mm-hmm. know, and he's and I hear him swearing from the other room, you know. Usually the most common thing was like God damn it, you know, that kind of thing that sounded like that, just kind of this right. sharp. Um, it's almost for, on a daily. Shit, you know, a lot. He said yeah. that a lot, and and know. that would be almost on a daily basis. Yeah. So you would have these kind of like little little explosions. Mm-hmm almost on a daily basis that you could hear that you had to absorb, but then yeah. also fairly regularly that they would be directed at you yeah, as if you were like the garage door that wasn't closing correctly. Yes. Yeah. So it felt the same whether mm-hmm. it was directed at me or not, or like if it was being directed at my brother or my mom or something right. like that, you know? So, and, and I got a little bit when it was directed at them, I got a little bit of that same, like I, I powerlessness, I can't do anything to help sort of feeling. How did your mom respond to this? I mean, she's the adult right. in, so in the situation. How does she respond to She responded, as far as I could tell, the way I eventually wound up responding, which is just accept it mm-hmm. and try to pacify. And if he's getting upset about something, do it, you know, without question. Um, yeah, either help him or take over for the task. Yeah. So, you know, something that he did often with my mother, that still does with my mother is um, he'll have trouble with the computer. She'll be in a different room and he'll just be shouting from the other room like, God damn it, my computer's not working. Mm-hmm. And he'll do that until she volunteers to go help him. If she doesn't do that quickly enough, he gets even more, he escalates the anger and then finally says her name, like, come and help me. You know? Right. But often it'll just be like, I'm I'm just 
directing this anger at the sky and someone's going to help me manage this, Mm -hmm. you know, and we always did as Mm -hmm. a family. So codependent behaviors. (laughs) Exactly. Regulating. So your mother would regulate his emotions. Yeah. Would caretake. Mm -hmm. Would make an effort to make sure he was comfortable or. And then um, as far as, I mean, since we mentioned my mom, there was some other behaviors that she modeled uh, that I picked up on mm-hmm. that went into my whole suite of behaviors being this powerlessness. Mm-hmm. So she had this powerlessness with my dad's behaviors, for one, but she exploded that out just like I did to pretty much everything. Like she had this kind of, I'm powerless over my entire life mm-hmm. and um, sort of had this defeatist uh, she did the self self-fulfilling prophecy type of thing where I, this is not going to be good. So either I'm just not going to do it at all or I'm going to do it. I'm expecting this to happen and kind of basically make it happen mm-hmm. sort of thing. And so she had that with the family. She included us in that, that stance where it'd be like, if something bad happened, it would either be like, Oh, this always happens to me or this always happens to us, mm-hmm. you know? So like we being kind of the same problem that we talked about with me using overusing we as this sort of codependent fallback word yeah. you know so it feels better to her to loop us all in to say oh this always happens to us it's our luck it's right. our family's luck you know mm-hmm. so that was model behavior and then she also even had similar other th- similar things like depression mm-hmm. and sort of treated that as an intrinsic trait and like a, a sort of a badge like this this is something i have this is who i am i have depression and mm-hmm. this is another reason why nothing good happens in yeah. my life or i you know i don't have to make an effort because i'm depressed so mm-hmm. i can just sit in my room and yeah p- play games or right and then you know she would also have a lot of resentment that she voiced out loud um mm-hmm. and this is something also i downplayed or or just kind of ignored for a large part. But yeah, complained about my dad a lot. So yes, he was doing these angry outbursts and stuff like that, but she would complain about it to me. Right, um, to, to her children. Yeah. And it was directed at them as well, so. I'm just going to tell you that I don't accept this behavior, but I'm powerless, so I can't do anything about it. So I'm just, all I can do is just complain about it. Well, she does, yeah, right. So she does accept the behavior. She allows right. the treatment. Yeah, and technically, then, yeah. And then she just is resentful that she has to even though again she was the adult in the situation yeah i mean then it make it makes even more sense right when you get into two marriages with abusive people yeah you know especially the um the last one jay with jay who had this also had kind of explosive anger she also Mm -hmm. had other you know controlling behavior and coercive and she was an abusive person and yeah actually more blatantly actually abusive right unlike what we're talking about with my dad where it's more so just emotional mismanagement but nevertheless, you, you know, you would respond to Jay's anger and outbursts the way that your mom would respond mm-hmm. to your dad in, in that you would complain about it yeah. to other people the yeah. way that she treated you. But it would also be the, but, you know, shrug. What well, can, what can you do? do? What can, right. you know, all I can do is complain. Yeah. So I didn't actually want advice from people or anything when, mm-hmm. I, when I would complain. It would just be like, this. I'm just venting. That's it. Let's talk um, a little bit about that, though, mm-hmm. because... You know, we're saying again, R and J were abusive people, um, and that their anger was also directed at coercion and control. Yeah, and you don't see that with your dad, right? Maybe we should just say a little bit about the positive family dynamics, of which there were many. Yeah, <laughs> right. Okay. Yes, that I occurred, think that's a good timing that for occurred. that. Right, because 
The thing is, is that's, that's part of what made it so confusing mm-hmm. when I think back on the family. And part of the reason why I downplayed it also was that when I think of my family, I think safety. I mm-hmm. think care. I mm-hmm. feel like they did, both of them did a lot of things for my brother and I um, that were good. I feel like in, in many ways they were good parents. I think and they meant well. Yeah, except for the G years. And even yeah. during them, in many ways you had a happy childhood. Yeah, yes. And 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 I have lots of evidence being, uh, when I talk about G, I was just in fear of him all the time. So I managed to figure out ways to have fun. I was like, oh, I'm having fun when we're pretending, you know, like we're aliens or something. I kind of had to force myself to have fun, which is almost what I did later with the R and J years too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it pretty much is. But I didn't have that feeling at home. I didn't have that towards my dad. Even though he had these angry outbursts, I really loved him. And I really, I remember how excited I was when he came from from work. Mm -hmm. Like he played with my brother and I, and he was just a, just a fun guy. He Mm -hmm. was happy most of the time when he was not angry. Right. So it, it was, it, it almost seemed as though that was out of character, even though it was. Mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. you know um and same with my mom like she had this powerless na- this thing but it she was also very interesting and funny and intelligent and she taught us a lot of things she did a grass with you and yeah. had like elaborate birthdays yeah. and, and she did a lot of the house i mean she she was i went to her when when i when i was you know just when i was hurt like just mm-hmm. she was that that kind of person like i i need my mother sort of thing yeah you know? both of them at heart caring and loving people yeah so yeah it's this it's just that's yeah it makes it so much more confusing yeah. and difficult to get at the root of right so i still feel truth. that and 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 but the thing is yeah those things are still there and and you could still have effects you can still have negative effects from people that mean well and other are otherwise good people. Unfortunately. Yeah. No, so let's talk about the, those effects yeah. of his behavior, both of their behaviors on you. I want to expand a little bit on my, my dad's anger and what it was sometimes directed at. It wasn't just, oh, you didn't put this back in the drawer or didn't turn off the light or whatever. It was also, um, he didn't like when I asked him questions. Mm-hmm. So he would say something that to me was just kind of confusing. And, and I think maybe a lot of people struggle with you know, just doing things, right? Someone's telling me to do something and, and I want to know why. I, like, I'm not going to learn necessarily by just doing, blindly doing something. Well, yeah, yeah. Ideally, that's what happens with, with children is that they don't just obey. Right, yeah. <laughs> they they learn. I mean, I understand a parent wanting the kid just to do it, obviously, but he would get angry every single time if I did, if he didn't have a ready answer to mm-hmm. Say like turn off the garage lights. Why? Just do it. God damn it! You mm-hmm. know, just right. so I kind of started to get this. It was started chipping away at my agency a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like and, and and your curiosity. My curiosity, right? And and I also got, regularly was told like, oh, you argue too much, and and so me just asking questions was kind of framed as you're argumentative. You're mm-hmm. too, you know, you ask too many questions. Like you, something's wrong with stop you. Stop it. Right. You know. Yeah. And I didn't find a problem. I wanted to know these things. And so it, yeah, it really did cause a lot of damage when it came to my curiosity and just, not just that, but it it planted the seed of me being too agreeable, the codependency. Mm -hmm. And since this started very early on, yeah, I was already doing that by the time I became friends with G. But I remember over the years still trying to exert that and still getting kind of met with this. I think it just threw off the way that I interacted with people. And then when I did try to 
say argue or whatever which is just or just, in- just inquire that's right yeah well it doesn't sound you were disagreeing right. even it was right, almost right. you were just inquiring you i'm just, just inquiring yeah i just want to know why someone thinks the why thing someone, they think and also why someone wants you to do something yeah. with, with your body with your time right and being told you don't have the right to, the ask right to ask a question mm-hmm. about i mean that's the issue of boundaries right like you you, yeah. you don't have a right to your own effort and your own time and your own emotions yeah so I had plenty of experiences from other people that solidified that, mm-hmm. um, but I think my dad was the main source of that just decay. And that dynamic was in play the one time you remember him threatening you with physical violence. Yeah, the only time that I can remember him threatening that, that was what was happening. I didn't back down. He, there was I don't remember specifically what the exchange was, but... I remember being in the garage and I just kept questioning about something and he just was getting so angry that I wouldn't stop. Mm-hmm. And then finally it was just like, if you don't shut up, I'm going to swat you. Mm-hmm. You know? So I was like, Oh, okay. All right. He's saying he's going to hit me now if I right. don't stop questioning this. So I guess I better back down. I just remember how angry he looked and everything and it just totally froze in my brain. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I just remember exactly where I was standing and what was behind him and everything. And, this is a bit of an aside, but, you know, people who use physical violence against their children often kind of justify it with, well, this is so serious. Mm-hmm. They need to remember. Yeah, right. They need to remember this lesson. Mm-hmm. But the way you describe it, you don't remember at all what the lesson was. No. Like, you don't remember what he was trying to yeah, get you to right. do. I just remember the exchange. You only remember it because of this, the, the threat of physical violence, which yeah. I suspect is, is true for, for people, for children who are on the receiving end of physical discipline yeah just <laughs> is that they just they general. just remember the, the actual act of being hit or the threat of being hit and not what they were supposed to be learning yeah. from the situation and i think that's another effect is, is that you know with all these things like i wanted to know why he wanted me to do x y or z mm-hmm. but instead it's just like i'm learning that i'm trying to just avoid his anger or i'm trying to appease his anger so mm-hmm him getting angry at me for not turning off the garage light. Sure. That's probably a good thing to turn off. the. You don't want to waste energy and stuff like that. But instead I'm not trying to save energy. I'm trying to avoid my dad's anger. That's the main thing. Right. That's all I really care about. Mm -hmm. So it's not really having a, it's not having the effect that he wants it to have. You know, he's not teaching me a lesson. He's teaching me to try to appease his anger. When we were talking about trauma and how that works, um, I think my dad's anger got embedded in my body as a trauma response like so many of my other trauma responses, because I can clearly feel that that physiological response still when I hear that tone of voice. which From your father. From my father, yeah. It happens, still happens as often as ever. Like I said, it happened these days. It's like, you know, when, when I visit, it happens. You've visited, you've seen it yourself. Yeah. You know, at least once, twice, three times a day, there's some kind of outburst about at something, the computer or the whatever. Yep. To various levels. Some of them are more benign and yeah and it's uncomfortable for me i mean it's just uncomfortable being around someone who's losing it because (laughs) they don't know how to use their computer or they don't they can't find the thing it's just unpleasant but for you it goes even further than that yeah and uh and it's hard it's hard for me to know exactly what i should do and we keep saying your dad's anger this is one way i think that anger gets a bad reputation (laughs) Mm -hmm. because people who cannot manage it it can be very destructive in the yes. world when they just release it in the world when they direct it to other people. Yeah. But your dad getting angry in and of itself is not a bad thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I think children need to see people getting angry. Yeah. 
children need to feel free to get angry and right. need to learn how to deal with that. It's a natural emotion. Yeah. <laughs> we all feel angry. Yeah. We all need to learn how to, to manage that anger in a way that's productive and is not destructive. So that's the other big effect here is that I didn't have healthy emotional reactions modeled to me by my mm -hmm. family. For a while, I was I was going a little too far with that and thinking, oh, we didn't talk about feelings and stuff like that. But, you know, I don't think that's really a regular thing in families. In a lot of families, right? They don't necessarily um, talk about feelings, but that doesn't mean that they can't be modeling yes, kind of healthy emotional expressed behavior. Expressed in a healthy way. So, yeah, yeah, what I was seeing was my dad not handling anger very well. And, and so, oh, this is how anger is handled. This is how people handle anger is mm -hmm. just like get angry and, and shout and... And yeah, and this is how people handle frustration if things don't go their way. Yeah. Go their way. I mean, it wasn't anger at injustice in the world. It was right. like anger at a computer or anger yeah. at a small child because they're not doing something that they he wants them to do. Right. And also, it's a double, double whammy, as I say, uh, for myself, was that I was trying to manage his anger, trying to tamp it down. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, I didn't feel safe expressing anger back. Right. And I didn't want to express that to happen i didn't want to act like that so i that also planted the seeds for this extreme aversion to the anger emotion mm -hmm. in myself mm -hmm. i mean and and i thinking back for most of my life i did not express anger and and it's still very difficult for me to f just feel it let alone express it yeah it feels unsafe yeah to feel it and mm -hmm. then obviously it's extremely unsafe to express to it. express it, yeah. Because I've had too many people in my life where it backfired massively if I even tried um, the littlest bit. So being the fight-flight, yeah, the fight response was not available to me. The fact that I didn't have anger in my toolbox, it didn't help me. No. <laughs> no, it got you stuck in abusive situations. Yeah. Or it helped keep you stuck in abusive situations. Yes, definitely. The other side would being my mother's emotional immaturity also and mm -hmm. so modeling this powerlessness and and not being able to handle other people's emotions and so trying to manage other people's emotions taking them on herself and then being resentful and things like that like so that's those are the models i had like we were saying great people in in some ways and great parents in some ways but also bad models of emotional processing so i got the benefits of those good parts and I got the negatives of those bad parts. And so how does it feel now to be finally looking at this stuff in a more nuanced and realistic way? Like what is what do you feel is your path forward with your family? Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out, really. This is all kind of new. Yeah, right. And it is difficult to I imagine to integrate these two sides to the story yeah i mean it was making me sad honestly to to think about like when i was really brainstorming about this episode um i realized man i don't think i've spent this much time on thinking about this ever really mm -hmm. even when you know throughout all this you know two three years of, of self-discovery and analysis that i've been doing since i met you yeah i still just kind of downplayed just kept my family in the same stasis kind of cordoned them off from the larger discussion mm -hmm. a lot so now you know we're you know, working to integrate those in but yeah. you know it, it it is helpful to fill that picture out it is yeah. i mean it kind of now makes a lot more sense we talked about in those early episodes i think in the second episode of the whole podcast on trauma 
or maybe the first, like, where were, where were your parents mm-hmm. <laughs> right. during that relationship with G? And then yeah. also, like, where were your parents during this eight-year, 12-year period where you were involved with abusive partners and mm-hmm. you were struggling with suicidal depression and alcohol? And that yeah. makes a lot more sense where they were. <laughs> right. Because we know that they love you. We, we've seen that expression of love. Mm-hmm. But they were just not capable of caring for you, really, in a, in a way that you would hope yes. your parents would be. Right. And before I really understood why. So it was kind of like this roller coaster of like for, for, for a little bit before I under, understood them a little better. It was kind of like, wow, I'm, I'm kind of not liking my family now. I'm, now I'm like kind of resenting my parents mm-hmm. m- more than ever because, wow, why they didn't help me at all and stuff. But it's like now that I understand them more, I'm coming a little bit more back in the other direction of just like, well, they had similar behaviors as I do. Right. And this kind of self-centeredness that goes with that, especially with, with the powerlessness that my mom had. Mm-hmm. Um, because my dad often would try to show interest in things and ask mm-hmm. questions about me and stuff. Like my mom really didn't. Like mm-hmm. she would just passively absorb information. She would retain it. And she'd tell other people, oh, my son does this and all that. Right, but, like like you came to do. Yeah, right. Exactly. But yeah, and I still struggle with this this kind of active, active engaging, mm-hmm. asking questions and things like that. Like, so it's just a default fallback for me to just wait for the other person to give me information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't, you know, I'd, but I understand it. I understand that it's kind of this, this powerless lack of agency kind of um, in, encompasses the whole you know, it looks like lack of curiosity, but it's not. It's like just a self-centeredness because of just not feeling good. Yeah, needing to be in self-protective mode all the time. And yeah. and again, you know, used to being around, so she's been around your father. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to ask. He would constantly right. <laughs> dump on whatever emotion he yeah. had yeah. she was expected to participate in, mm-hmm. including the positive emotions. You know, yeah. so we see this dynamic where, you know, he wants to go square dancing, you know, wh- yeah. which is going to be this fun activity and he wants her along. Mm-hmm. And he, I guess because he wants to share it with her, but then he gets angry if she doesn't yeah, have the same experience that he does. Yeah, yeah. Right. So she, you know, she was with this person for years where she, she probably didn't want to ask because she got enough exactly. of right. him already. Right. And, and, the, and you had that kind of dynamic mm-hmm. in, in your, with uh, R&J. your, yeah, your partners as well. Like you didn't want to ask about yeah. it. You were going to hear about it. <laughs> yes, exactly. So that really did, because I don't think. I was always that extreme with the not mm-hmm. asking questions and stuff like that. But yeah, it was unsafe for me to ask questions when I was in those relationships because I didn't want, I just didn't want to, I, I was trying to make myself kind of invisible in those relationships, really. So yeah, she's kind of done that in your family a little yeah. bit. She's yeah. made herself invisible, but that mm-hmm. means she's been in some ways inaccessible to you yeah. when you've needed her as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And, and I remember a dynamic too that was confusing to me that, you know, I, my brother and I talked about how like it seemed like we had to force my mom to do things like she just seemed to always want to bow out of family activities and stuff like that. And, and that makes more sense to me now too. Like, it's just, I think she was always calculating. It wasn't just the, um, the self-fulfilling, Oh, this is going to go badly. Part of what she thought or knew was going to go badly was that my dad was going to get angry. So she's like, we've done this before. Every time we go on a, a trip, um, he gets angry as we're preparing because it's just like he can't handle this kind of loss of control the stress or and the, stress yeah. or mm-hmm. yeah, 
And and she doesn't like that, obviously. None of us like yeah, that. Yeah, it's unpleasant, yeah. And then sure. also, you know, she has this... She was had to be the navigator when mm-hmm. we drove anywhere. And he would get upset with her constantly because she wasn't navigating quickly enough. If they made a turn wrong, it was her fault. Right. Um, and he'd be yelling at her and stuff. And I, I remember just kind of excusing that and forgetting about it in my head. Because it was normal in your family. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. So that must feel kind of good to at least have this additional knowledge to be able to explain yeah. parts of your past and your relationship with your parents that previously were confusing. It does a couple things. I it sort of it makes me feel better about the fact that, you know, how they were there or not there had really little to do with me. Mm-hmm. It's not that I was, you know, some bad kid and they right. were uninterested in me or something. And then also it just gives me more empathy for them and the fact that oh, I I can actually I actually know how my mom feels because I felt exactly the same way. That doesn't feel good. And I imagine, too, it helps you know what to expect from them. Yes. Because this is, I think, a lot of people struggle with, mm-hmm. is we all want to have this loving relationship with our parents. And if you had problematic childhood and haven't dealt with it, mm-hmm. you can keep being disappointed by them over yeah. and over again, which right. I think sometimes you that's what's happening with you because yeah. you... You, you wanted more than they could give or than they have even given. And, and yeah. now you kind of have a better sense of what their limitations are. Yeah. And I don't feel as though I need to change them or anything. Mm-hmm. I don't really expect that to be possible. I'm not, you know, I... At this point. Yeah. I mean, if if I see individual circumstances that I feel as though I can help, like, like say, in one particular case on a, a last our last visit with my parents, my dad getting angry at my mom not wanting to do something... It was, I was able, I felt as though I could step in and just t- talk to him. Uh, you know, I wasn't, I felt triggered, but it felt, you know, this is going to help this situation, I think, a little bit. If I just say something individually to him, like, you know what, let's not force mom to do something she doesn't want to do. Right. You know, and he got angry, but then within but you- a few minutes, he was okay. And, you know, everyone did what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, and, but, but my goal wasn't to change them or anything like that. Yeah. And, but it and, is empowering yeah. for you, for you to, to have this knowledge of them and to have the kind of the truer story of your relationship. So yeah, you were more easily to make decisions about, yeah, when to intervene and when to speak up or when to just let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they're going through life transition right now. And it, I feel like I, I it's great timing that I have this new view of, myself and them and the family and all this that I can just really be it's more clear what I can and should do so I think both of us have felt a little bad that <laughs> this wasn't incorporated earlier on into yeah. this podcast because right. <laughs> I think a lot of people who struggle with codependent behaviors their family of origin does figure very largely in where those behaviors come from yeah for sure so again this is why we wanted to do this episode to kind of mm-hmm. as a corrective and going forward there'll be probably more incorporation of this new realizations into the discussions that we have around codependency and, yeah. and, and your struggle with it yeah we'd love to hear from listeners if you have your own experiences you'd like to share about realizations you've come into about your family and, and how it may have caused some of your codependent behaviors we'd, we'd love to hear from you you can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching A Codependent Mind. Our email address is codependentmind at gmail.com. 
And again, we always appreciate a follow or a like or a review on any podcast platform that you listen. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks with another topic. Thank you.